are limping into the Eastern Conference <laughs> final game five. And boys, I am not talking about Philip Heedle or Barkley Goodrow or Braden Point. I am battling right now with an upper body injury. Blocking shots at your respiratory hurt. system. <laughs> it's, it's just around the chest and caught up, uh, as my wife would describe it, a, a man cold. Yeah, I, I, I'm, in a, I'm a little bit of a fight there, too. It's through the house. It is unfair that you're allowed to get other types of sick beyond COVID uh, after the last couple <laughs> I of years. Thought, yeah, I thought they canceled being sick yeah. other than COVID. That's <laughs> still a thing. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I, on Saturday, I couldn't do the golf show. I woke up in the morning. I, I had no voice. I had to call Gunner and be like, I can't do it, buddy. I sounded like the ghost of a preview pubescent teen. I couldn't do uh, it. That's what happens when you pound 24 little Buddhas on a Friday night, Sam. Yeah, no little Buddhas involved. <laughs> We're working through it. Uh, show oh, yeah. number 173, if I'm not mistaken. We've got Josh Santos on tech, of course, Sammy and JB on board here, guys. And wherever you're uh, listening live on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, or subscribing to our podcast on iTunes and or Spotify, we're glad you're aboard here as we get into a critical game five at Madison Square Garden. Um, just in terms of that, do you guys want to wrap up the Edmonton Oilers with Ken Holland first before we go to that? Where do you guys want to yeah. begin? That, well, that makes sense. Let's do that. Go ahead, Sam. Okay, I just, I, I'm just like, just as a sort of event, tonight is a massive sporting event for the NHL, for everyone involved. This is a premier event that should be a one of the more like, you know, promotion. The New York Rangers, the maybe, you know, up there is the most popular franchise in the NHL, American at least, you know, against the three a two time Stanley Cup champion, game five, Madison Square Garden. It's just a massive, massive sporting event that I'm really excited for. So we can get into the Oilers stuff, but I just I just wanted to make sure, you know, we got to how big of a game this really is tonight. I feel like they're the, the the Rangers didn't commit. They didn't bring Kipper in. Kipper's two and zero down there, and they didn't bring yeah, him in. True. They're not committed to the win tonight. Well, he's me. he's still got the New York flu, so he needs to. Uh, he, he can't go back down. <laughs> the dummies should have taken me to Tampa Bay. <laughs> dry out a little bit. Well, uh, I agree with you, uh, Sammy. A pivotal game, no question about that. And just overall, uh, you know. Before we get into uh, Ken Holland here, just what winning a game five means to those analytical numbers, JB. And it it is massive. It's a 785 win percentage, all-time series record in the National Hockey League at 2-2, winning game five. 223 wins compared to 61 losses. That number is off the charts. It is, and I'm not. I'm not surprised it's that uh, that much of a swing, but a lot of weight on tonight's hockey game for sure, and and not just tonight's game, like the legacy of the Tampa Bay Lightning and what they can do and are building here. Uh, it sounds to me. I mean, I wrote about it, but everyone you talk to is just like, ah, it's Tampa. Tampa sounds like they're up three-one. If you talk to anyone about this series, like Tampa suddenly figured it out and they're just going to run away with it. But boy, Rangers sure have been tough to beat in Madison Square Garden the last couple rounds. What are they six yeah. and one, seven and one at home this playoff? They're really, really tough to beat at home. I don't. Yeah. Listen, 
I, I, by the way, every team that wins game five when it's tied 2-2 usually wins the series, except for the Toronto Maple Leafs, of course, because <laughs> literally, <laughs> it literally just happened. They went to Tampa 2-2, and they won game six and then lost game seven. Uh, no, so they won game five and lost game six and seven. So there, if there are teams that can also, do it, guys, and they wear blue and white. So. Then, you know, we've had uh, someone complaining that we're not talking about enough Leafs and enough Leaf stuff. Sammy, do you want to share the, the thing you sent no. in our group chat yesterday? Oh. About- yeah, so this is, <laughs> this is from the Active Stick on Twitter. Uh, he put out a great little uh, spreadsheet about the Leafs and uh, going up against the Lightning. And the, the Lightning series wins recap. And the, uh, yeah, so basically what, the, what it came down to was 2020, 2021, 2022, they have outscored their opponent in every single series they've played against, which is, right, they've won all these series. Makes yeah. sense. That makes right. sense. Except for one, of course. In 2022, <laughs> in seven games, the Toronto Maple Leafs scored 24 goals and the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning scored 23. So the Leafs outscored the Tampa Bay Lightning over seven games and still lost the series. So, listen, we talk about a lot of stuff that needs to change, <laughs> but the curse is very, very much in order here, boys. It really is. It's, it's crazy. Here's the goals against Tampa Bay's given up going back to 2020 in a playoff series. They've given up 12, 12, 12, 15, 17, 9, 11, 8, 3, and against the Leafs, 24. And they still up by them somehow. Ugh. And, that, and it's the and second that, most. So, the second most they scored was against the Leafs. So, so in, in three that. years, in three years, they're 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 the only team that really got to Vasilevsky. Yeah, and still couldn't win. Correct. And still couldn't, and still win. couldn't beat them. Oh, no. just thought we'd start the day with a little bit of wow. sunshine for the blue and white out there. <laughs> those those people that wanted you to talk Leafs are like, no, stop, no, don't talk Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, Sammy, you're jonesing for a little leaf talk. So maybe we'll we'll tag it at the end of the hour. We'll talk Sandine. Should we yeah. we'll talk Sandine and, and where yeah. his fit is. I know uh Elliot from Thirty Two Thoughts had uh some some information uh on uh where the Leafs might be on his qualifying offer. So we'll we'll get into that. But uh before we get to what in uh less than 20 minutes, we're gonna go to Dave Maloney, of course, uh current MSG hockey analyst for the New York Rangers, a former Ranger, one of the youngest uh, defensemen ever to wear the C for the New York Rangers. So we'll get his thoughts as we tee up game five. But as we mentioned, Ken Holland addressed the media after their Colorado uh, series and uh, and had a few things to say uh, to wrap a bow up on that. I think it's important that we, uh, we kind of touch on that in terms of where the Edmonton Oilers are going. Did we think for one second that they'd be the last uh, team standing in Canada this year? Uh, I think we'll give them their, uh, their just due on... Uh, on uh, their season. So uh, where do you guys want to start? Uh, Ken Holland had a few things to say in terms of his head coach, Evander Kane, the Oilers taking another step. Why don't we start there on Ken Holland on where the Oilers go from here? These games are, are decided by by such a small, small margin. So that's why you you stick with it. You stick with it. You stick with it. So I think we can play with any team in the Western Conference. I, again, we were number one overall over the first quarter of the season. We were in the top five uh, of the league in, in, in regular season points the last uh, 
half the season. Um, I think we had the highest point total, like I said, in 35 years. We, we, we got to the final four. We beat a 110-point team in Calgary, but we're not good enough. We're not, we're, not, we're not good enough right now today to win the Stanley Cup, but we're not this far away, but we're, we got to make we got to make some tweaks. We got to we got to get some push from our from our kids. We need some of our younger people to make a push. Got the manager's got to make a couple of tweaks. The coach is going to make a couple of tweaks, and we're going to come back and we're going to we're going to see if we can got to try to play our way back into the playoffs again. Put ourselves in the exact same si- si- position, and hopefully the experiences of this year, the experiences of the Winnipeg playoff series, the experiences of the of missing the play, all the experiences will will will. Uh, allow us to go further top number one team in the quarter connor <laughs> top Sorry. five regular season top top points in the back half of the season connor highest point total in 35 years connor Beat 110 point team calgary connor and let's sprinkle some leon dry there too i uh, you know I have two thoughts on what we just heard from Ken Holland. Two thoughts. One is that I get that if if you don't tell people that you're doing good, sometimes they'll just never know. I I get the idea that you you gotta let you know point out the things went right, and sometimes you have to be your own advocate because not everyone is gonna do it. But I hated that. I'll be honest. Like I selective sample grabbing like do you want to hear that all oh, the Leafs were the best team from November to January 6th or like I don't care about the first quarter the last half the how'd the season go the season went very well let's zoom out and look at it I, I really don't care for the whole look how great we did in these small samples every team can grab a chunk of the year and do that you know it's starting to be like one of the most overrated terms like in, in the NHL. Process? No, pr- uh, yeah, or learning. We learned, or we got to learn, or a great learning. And it's like, what the hell is Connor McDavid? What, what, what is he going to learn between, you know, getting knocked out and, and, and next year? Nothing. Oh, next year, I'll try harder. <laughs> there's, <laughs> just, there's nothing to learn other than we may need a new goalie, right? We may right. need uh, Yeah, that's some the learning. Here. That's the yeah, learning they, part. He's like, wow, Kale McCarr. I learned something. Kale McCarr and Devin Taves are 10 times better than any D-man on my team. Like, that's what he learned. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, that's legit. But he did say something there that kind of is a sobering thing when it comes to being a sports fan in general. Like, it is about just getting there and being in the right situation and getting lucky, really. Like, it's about having kicks at the can. And I think that's something that Dubas has already sort of talked about. I don't really remember when, but, like, getting in the playoffs and just sort of having the over and over and kind of banging against the door until it goes, it, it falls yep. down. Like, there is that aspect of it. For sure. I fully believe in that. It it is, but it, it really there's also this no two teams are ever the same year to year, no matter what. And yeah, of course you can keep your core and you can get some seat fillers in some roles, but those seat fillers are so important. Like mm-hmm. think about it. McDavid, Drysidle, like thirty four. Four thirty-two points in sixteen games between the two, like on a, on a, a run that we've never seen before, and it still ain't good enough. Mm-hmm. So where well, so- where are you now? You are 
those guys are at the mercy of Ken Holland now going to find some some new players, some new energy, some new blood to help take those guys to another level. There's nothing those guys can do moving forward any more than they just did, and it still yeah. wasn't good enough. Yeah, they combined for 65 points in 16 games in the postseason. They are maxed out for what they can they can offer. You know, what get what gets me about the Holland thing most, if I'm a close listening fan, is, you know, Sam, you talk about getting close over and over and over, and eventually you kick in the door. The St. Louis Blues made playoffs for, what, 25 years before they had a year. They, they kicked it down. The Washington Capitals with Ovechkin, President's trophies, great teams, high seeds. They they knock, they knock, they knock. Eventually, they kick it down. Those were really good teams, and that's the difference. You don't just get into the playoffs, you know, x amount of times, twenty times, ten times, whatever. And one year it happens for you. You have to be an elite team that gets close. That's why I've believed in the Leafs running it back in the past. Is they they're a team that's you know top five in the NHL over the past few years. The Capitals were a top team. The Blues got there in the second half, but you know they had had really good teams in previous years. That's not what the Oilers are. The Oilers getting swept by the Avalanche to me is really uh, a telling moment when he says we can play with anyone in the Western Conference. Well, you just got swept, so I'm not sure that that's true. Uh, and also, I think you know we saw what happened with the Oilers. Both the way the, the last two years, their seasons had ended in a way that seemed more about their opposition than them. To me, I learned more about the Calgary Flames than the Edmonton Oilers in this playoff mm. run, seeing how Edmonton looked against Colorado. And I learned learn more about who did who the Oilers get swept by last year. Was it Winnipeg or you know whoever yes. it was? It, to me, it's more about those teams than it's been about the Oilers. Just a. Uh... Out of curiosity, what what is the number one thing you learned about Calgary that uh, like we thought this was a good team? Was it uh, the character yeah. of them? What? Well, you know, in the past we had challenged the idea, right, that there was some rot there, so the core wasn't able to push through, or what's wrong? Why aren't they better than they are? That surfaced again. So if it's not that, Kipper, and maybe it is some of that, maybe there's an element about that decor is not as good as we thought, that they got lucky a lot this year, that Markstrom covered up a lot of their problems, that they're a team like the Rangers that lived and died by the success of their goaltender more than we realized. And when he's no good, their team wasn't that good. Their, their D needs a lot of work, and the core has some question marks. Addition by subtraction for Ken Holland, which means, does he bring Evander Kane back? Let's have his thoughts on that. Well, I mean, obviously, he's an unrestricted free agent. Um, am I interested in bringing him back? Yes, I think he had a big impact on our team. Um, you know, not only his ability to score goals, but he plays with an edge. Um, you know, I thought there was wonderful chemistry between him and Connor. Uh, you know, he didn't play the first power play. He played on the second power play. So we, we were just, we were, I thought we were deeper. When he, when he joined our team, he made our team deeper. So can I keep him? Yeah. You know, again, we've got, he's, his cap number is $2 million. I don't expect him to play for a $2 million cap number next year. I don't know what it is. I'd have to sit and uh, talk to his agent, Dan Milstein. But again, we got, I've got decisions to, to make and got to go through a process. What is his cap hit, guys? I don't know, but he set the floor before negotiations even started. Huh? What was that? <laughs> I mean, I didn't expect him to play for less than that either, but it's funny to hear someone admit that flat out. Wow. I think he's been around 
long enough to, yeah. to know what's realistic. And two million ain't getting it done. The only question is, is can he find it anywhere else? Um, and where are teams today evaluating Evander Kane compared to where he was before Edmonton brought him in? He was he was an untouchable. Right, he was not. Mm-hmm. Teams wouldn't even contemplate going there, and yet we know when he's on the ice and performing, and bringing like a what's the baseball term, Sammy? Five tool guy. Like he yep. brings it all, absolutely everything: speed, skill, offense, physicality. There's nothing that this guy cannot do. How 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 does he go back? How does how does Ken Holland go back and and say uh, to to Connor McDavid uh, or Drysaddle, I, I I can't bring him back. Well, I would love to know what those guys think of him after having him in the dressing room for. Excuse me. They want him back. We we don't uh, we don't we we don't need do? to. Yeah, they want him back. It is abundantly clear that they liked him. He helped them win, and that is the bottom line. And I can, yeah. we, we can all put up with, and we have over the years in my career, you put up with oh, yeah. crap from certain teammates where you roll your eyes, you shake your head at the things they do or say off the ice, but it gets trumped with the one card that you can help me win. I think you can help me win. Therefore, that's all that matters to me. Oh, man. The minor, the minor leagues are littered with guys full of talent who don't take it seriously and can't get along with people. Let me tell you, I saw my share of them. Yeah. Maybe, not, maybe not that much talent. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Not many people on earth have that much talent. Uh, so can we just quickly talk about Dan Milstein? Nice job, buddy. Like, picked him up when he was at his lowest. You know, like he was a he was borderline disgraced there for a bit. You know, when he's fighting with the Sharks. No, that they said no one was going to sign him. Picked him up. He signs that contract with with uh, the Oilers, and now it's like he's going to get a huge payday off of it. Good work by Milstein to get in there. Yeah, 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 for sure. I'm sure there's some some agents that wouldn't have touched him either, right? For sure. I'm dying to know what some of these guys. You know, all these general managers and teams talk about culture and our room, and leadership, and all these other buzzwords, and I'm dying to see what Tony D'Angelo and Evander Kane get this summer. You know, a couple yes. of guys who've been through it a little bit, who make your team better. You know, how much can you pinch your nose? You can't, you can't pinch your nose and take one of these guys at full cost. You know, like, Kane's an $8 million guy, I'm sure, if, if everyone loved him and he was a great teammate with no, no baggage. How much does that baggage cost him? Mm. Half? Half, I'd say. Four million dollar guy now. Four, four would be a one year deal. Why would you lock in multiple years if you need to prove yourself for one more year? The whole idea is to get to eight as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And if you can't get it this year, then you're basically on another PTO. Yeah, that's a good point. If he if he has another year where he's not a problem and plays awesome, you can make the case you're grown up, you've matured, you've moved past it, you know? Yeah. 
the the longer he goes without incident, the more likely he is to get to that number and, of his actual. And, value. and maybe it's six million for one year, JB. Like for me, it's about the term that you're not locked into, um, opposed to uh, the AAV. With the Leafs, with the Leafs, do it for five. <laughs> no, um, love it. You know my st- my stance. Not, not, not Kyle, not Kyle style guys. Not, it's not Kyle, Kyle style. Dubas's but, style. But, uh, losing to win some games. Tiring. Yeah. yeah, he's got to win some hockey games, <laughs> some playoff matches. Is that uh, he's got some he's he's got some top priorities uh, besides Evander Kane. Uh, there's Jay Woodcroft, who's uh, oh a, yeah, an unrestricted free agent coach, guys. And Ken knew that when he brought him in. Uh, the discussion was that. Uh, we won't talk any contract until the end of the year. That stayed true, but there's a lot of teams out there that if are I'm looking Jay for Woodcroft coaches. Or his agent, my number one priority is getting another NHL team to talk to me. You know, just yeah. getting someone to say they'll give me an interview, even as a favor. Hey, Detroit's going to have me in for an interview, and it's a totally different ball game when you're at the negotiating table, isn't it? Well, and there's a history there in Detroit. Yeah. He's, he's, he's they can't around. go with a first-time guy, though, Kipper. They can't. they got to turn it around in Detroit. Right? Like, no more learning curve. they got to win soon. Let's go. He's got a 1,000 games of bench experience. He just took Edmonton to a, a to You a don't think final. that's the same. Don't do devil's advocate me. You don't he's, think that's the same as NHL experience. He's He's new age, right? He's he's a communicator. He's got this new wave type of uh, coaching mentality. I think that would be an attractive there's, thing for other teams. There's coaching videos, all just TikToks. Is that what new age means? Like, what's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that I think he's attractive. I think he'll be attractive to other teams. I agree. I don't know what that I don't know what that means in terms of what he's just so many guys. Cassidy's out there now. Trotz, yeah. Maurice. I mean, massive names. Some of the guys, Quenville, some of the best coaches yeah. in NHL history are available. Yeah, it's true. I know, and you're right. And that's the dilemma with general managers or presidents is do we recycle or do we go with a sure thing or do we think outside the box a little bit? Daryl Sutter and Bruce Boudreaux saved a lot of veteran coaches, uh, or helped a lot of veteran coaches. I think. I don't like you know. I'm not opposed to new blood, new vision, new ideas, um, but I do think that there is a little bit of a learning curve for for coaches. And uh, Montreal, Montreal makes sense. Have Marty St. Louis learn together, grow together. You know, reach your pinnacle together in three, four years. They're not trying what, to win tomorrow. What, yeah, yeah. Uh, I got news for you. Detroit's not ready to win the Stanley Cup. No, but uh, should they not be trying to win now? Like, Montreal can still try to not win for a bit. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) tell that to the fans. Okay, we're going to get back to the Eastern Conference. We're going to welcome in uh, Dave Maloney, who's uh, getting ready for Game 5, MSG Network. Uh, Dave, thanks for joining us. And uh, the anticipation, as uh, Sammy alluded to earlier in our show, is off the charts here. Uh, if we would have said 2-2 going back home for the Rangers against the defending Stanley Cup champs before the series, would have been okay with that, right? 
Yeah, it sure would have been, Nick. Good morning, by the way. It, uh, yeah, it, listen, you can't, uh, you got to take it one game at a time. I know it's cliche, but it is true. And you're the only game in town. So lots of people are paying attention to the series. And I just think that the Rangers have to deal with a couple of things here. It'll be, uh, you know, as yet to be determined what the lineup's going to look like. And I think you have to kind of figure that maybe Tampa's found its mojo, you know, after being off for nine days. It's, it looks like a two-time defending champions have found the rhythm. So there's a few things to uh, think about, but, boy, the anticipation is great, and the garden should be uh, electric. David, looking at uh, the success uh, Mika Zibanejad has had this postseason, a lot of it has come at home when he's been able to get away from the Jordan Stahl matchup or the Anthony Sorelli matchup. What is it about his style? Um, I don't want to say that's shutdownable, but is able to be defended better by these guys who, who are more defensively focused. Well, that's a good one. I don't know whether I have the answer to that one. I mean, his, you know, his team uh, has not been very good on the road. Right. You know, they've won games on the road that they've had to, had to win. So I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't point out Mika. I, I don't think his game's any different. I mean, he's a wonderful three zone player, and and uh, you know, it's a, really a, has really in the last two or three seasons has worked himself into being a top center ice in this league. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe it's, it, maybe it is the last change that the uh, coaches really don't seem to pay enough atten- or want to pay enough attention to, but it sure looks like that they get those big matchups with uh, Sorelli or Stahl or uh, something like that. And maybe it's just a chance, you know, get away when he's at home. I, I don't think his game changes. I don't think his efforts any different. It's just, right. You know, sometimes the luck's there. Sometimes the puck goes where, you know, it goes or bodies go where they go. So I wouldn't take it at any sort of uh, criticism or uh, negative observation on Mika's game. He's been a great player, and he'll continue to be for this Ranger team. Dave, outside of game one, uh, Shesterkin has to be one save better than Vasilevsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. When, when, you, when you look at uh, the dependency of each goaltender, there's way right. more stress on Shesterkin. Where are the where are the New right. York Rangers on um, where they think you know is are they worried about fatigue? Are they worried about another quality forty plus shots and twenty five grade A opportunities in front of the net? Um, where is right. the concern on Shesterkin and and his his bend and his break point? You know what, Dick? I don't know that there's any concern at this point. I think, you know, when all said and done, I think like every team, you'll take a look back and say, well, maybe this was an issue or maybe that was an issue. I mean, there's, hey, listen, there's no question. You're, you know, you're, you're one of three teams that are left. Um, you're playing against the defending, uh, two-time defending cup champs, as we talked before, who still really have shown as this series has gone along know or they know what it takes to win so it's hard and there's no question that Igor Shosturkin has been it's not the story but a very very big part of this Ranger season but I don't think any franchise should apologize for having a goaltender that is one of the two top goaltenders in the league and whether those issues I think uh, will certainly better serve uh, being addressed when the season's over you know was the, the workload too much for him I, I personally think he has shown two qualities, his, his mental and physical toughness, which may have been an issue 
uh, particularly the physical toughness coming into this season. Could he play? Hank never got hurt, right? And he played and played and played. And I, I think he's he's proven the mental and physical toughness that any franchise needs. And whether fatigue is an issue moving forward, I think that's something best left to, um, you know, when it's all said and done. You know, he's been such a bright spot for them and such a, not a surprise, but surprised that he, I think, was Vesna caliber all season long. Uh, another one for me in this postseason has been the, the kid line there with uh, Heedle right. and Kako. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they've, been, they've just been so effective all the way through Lafreniere. Mm-hmm. What is it that's allowed them to find their stride here and really take a step? I think Heedle's got just about as many goals in the playoffs as the regular season. Well, I, I think first and foremost, when you go through and you're 21-22 and you're going through this magical mystery tour, which is for a lot of young guys, is the, any run in the playoffs. I, they're just they're just going out and playing. They don't know any different. And I think the key moving forward is how you use that experience. Um, I just think they've all three of them. Now, Kako would be every bit as noticeable, not that he's not been noticeable. The guy missed almost 40 games due to injury this season. So the Rangers have three wonderful players moving forward that have just hit their stride in the postseason. And I really think they're just going out and playing. You know, listen to Philip Heedle talk the other day. That's that's exactly what he did. They don't, there's no thought process. There's nothing to know uh, because they haven't been here before. And they're all all first-round picks, lottery picks, uh, of course, both uh, um, Kako and uh, Lafreniere. So there's been no question about the talent. And I think innocence is, uh, you know, the innocence of youth is really something when you just go out and play. And uh, I think they've been a great there. And, and speaking of which, not so much the innocence, there have been a lot, a lot of really good stories of this Ranger team all, all season long. And uh, they are certainly, uh, the young kids are certainly one of them and have been really good in the playoffs. Filipino, one of those guys, seven goals in 18 games, a game-time decision, did not finish mm-hmm. the other night on a hit from Hedman. What, what mm-hmm. would that mean to the Rangers, uh, Dave, if he doesn't, isn't able to play? Well, you know what, Nick? I, I, not only him, but uh, Strom is a um, game-time decision also. And Barkley Goudreau is playing on one leg. So... And, and listen, injuries, it's always, as we see now, Boston, the postseason coming out with six to eight months injury issues. Um, you'll find out when all is said and done again. Uh, but if the Rangers are, like any team, you, you have your 20 guys that you'd ideally have in the lineup, right? And, I mean, it sounds like point is getting better for Tampa. Um, so that would be an ideal lineup for them. Uh, but they've been able to kind of, uh, not waltz, work their way through cup wins with, without Stamkos, Kucherov coming back in previous cup championships. But you can't help but think that the Rangers would be pretty exposed if they're really down to one center iceman. In uh, you know, but one and a half, let's say. And Goudreau, it's you know, Goudreau brings what he brings, but boy, oh boy, he's he's, he's banged up and struggling to get around. So it would it would be a, a pretty serious compromise. Uh, from a Ranger standpoint, if Strom and Heedle were out of the lineup tonight, I don't think anybody uh, could argue any any different from that observation, despite what side of the coin you're cheering for here. We're talking to Dave Maloney, who's uh, doing some great work from MSG Network, uh, following the New York Rangers 
Uh, just on a side note here, Dave, mm-hmm. uh, we do know that Strom's an unrestricted free agent. We know Andrew mm-hmm. Kopp was traded, uh, is also looking at under unrestricted free agency. Uh, mm-hmm. These are tough decisions for the Rangers. If, in fact, Strom leaves, and that's a tough one because he's been so good with Panarin over the last few years, can a guy like mm-hmm. Philip Heedle now, in your opinion, slide into a second-line centerman role? Have you seen enough of him? Yeah, I, I really do. Again, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a short window, obviously, where they played the 14, 19 games, right? Into on top of three seasons. I think at some point you have to expect that that's where the Rangers would like Philip Heedle to slot right, is in that top six rotation. So, you know, the market is going to determine who ends up where as far as free agency is concerned. The Rangers have a couple of guys that are going to get a pretty significant bump in salary with uh, Zavanajad and Adam Fox. So all the business, you know, the business side of it will play out the way it plays out. Um, It'll be interesting to see. But I don't have any hesitation to, you know, to suggest or observe that Philip Hedl is trending quite nicely into a top six slot. You've got, uh, I don't want to say any predictions, but any thoughts on what to expect from a Rangers team uh, coming off a couple of losses headed home to Madison Square Garden tonight? What to expect from them? Well, you know what, Sam, I, 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 think, I, I think it all be determined what kind of lineup they have. Um, and whether indeed Stroman and Heedle can play, then you can cr- try and play uh, the game that you need to play. And uh, that's they've got to figure out a way to get, again, get the puck in a little bit deeper, force that big blue line of, of uh, Tampa's to work a little harder to exit their zone. If you can get to Vasilevsky, it's all the same things you hear with most teams. But it's particularly important that the Rangers find a way to utilize their little more of their speed and skill against a really, really disciplined team. So, to me, if now if you you know again if those two guys aren't in the lineup, I I think you've got to be a little more conservative, right? Because I just I don't think you have the manpower to to try and play the game that you'd ideally like to play if you're healthy. So, to me, uh, what the Rangers as far as tactics or X's and O's, which at this time of the year, you know, how, 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 how much can you change, you know, who you are? But uh, then again, uh, it's just for me, um, come puck drop, what the Ranger lineup looks like to me will determine how the game will play out. Hey, Dave, just maybe speak briefly about Gerard Gallant and the job that he's done. You've watched mm-hmm. him on a game-to-game basis. Uh, the knock mm-hmm. Vegas had on him was that he wasn't a great tactical coach or made mm-hmm. enough adjustments uh, system-wise mm-hmm. to to move, to stay in, in Vegas. And I'm just watching now for the second time taking a, a team, and I'm, I'm not saying uh, that uh, is overachieving, but a team that people don't necessarily expect to be in a, a right. Final Four or Stanley Cup Final, and he's done it mm-hmm. twice in a relatively mm-hmm. short period of time. I mean, how, how good of a mm-hmm. coach do you think this guy is? Because uh, I'm not sure he gets the credit he deserves. Well, I, I would agree with you. I think the thing, there's a couple of things about uh, Gerard observing. I think uh, he's a lot of an old, you know, he's an old school 
type uh, coach. And, and depending on where the group is as a team, uh, there are different coaches that are going to fit at different times. Now, David Quinn, you know, his, he, you know, the tenure that he had with the Rangers included the shortened season, uh, the delayed season, the bubble, and all those things. I often thought that David Quinn would never, you know, see the fruits of his efforts, didn't expect him to get out so quickly. In the meantime, Gerard Gallant is hired. The older guys are a little bit older, but they're not old. The younger guys have a little more experience. And the expression I heard about uh, Gerard with observation, I really, he lets the room breathe a little bit. You know, the onus then becomes the team has taken ownership of the room. The, the spokesman for the uh, club is not necessarily the coach. That being said, I really appreciate I don't think there's any anything but honesty when he has the question about his club. You know, you'd like to have, in this day and age, everybody has all the answers. And his answers are simply, you know what, I expect our team to work hard. We want to be tough to play against. We uh, want to do all the things that, really, this game is pretty simple. The X's and O's, Mike Kelly takes care of that. I, 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 you know, his assistant's been with him. I don't know how necessary the X's and O's are to be hammered in day in and day out. I think he's got a group that had to develop an identity beyond the coach. He's allowed that to happen. And uh, I just really appreciate his honesty. I mean, and there's nothing, um, you know, underneath anything. There's no tactical reason why he would suggest after game five of the Carolina series that the team looked tired. Well, they did look tired. <laughs> and the thing is, I don't think there was anything other than an observation. It wasn't to get the room motivated. It wasn't to do this or that. So from my observation, he's a little bit of a, you know, refreshing kind of uh, personality to be around. Not that David Quinn wasn't. He, David Quinn had his own style. Elaine Vino had his own style. For this group at this time, I think he's been a great fit. Well, for those reasons, Dave, we expect to see a very competitive New York Ranger hockey club tonight. Thanks for doing this, Dave. All right, Nick. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, yeah, it should be an interesting watch for sure. Thanks, Dave. Dave. Appreciate it. MSG Network. You got a feel for tonight? JB? Yeah, I, I feel bad that I, like, uh, for asked a questions about, about Mika Zibanejad on the road. I looked up his playoff stats. He's got six points in the last six games on the road. So, you know, uh, I'll back off that one. Listen, <laughs> you know, those are underlying numbers for sure. What people tend to remember, though, is in the playoffs, when you need it the most. Mm-hmm. And I know we're going to have a talk about the Leafs uh, after the break, but you know, Zabanajad, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, and I put Austin Matthews in that. And you can look at all the numbers you want, but Leaf fans probably, if I'm correct, Sammy, the one thing that you'll remember outside of the 60 goals for Austin Matthews that he was quiet in Game 6 and Game 7. Does it really matter, uh, you know, outside of that? And if Zabanajad's quiet in game five and has to go back to Tampa Bay. That's, that's what you're going to remember. So these guys, they got to shine at the right moments to, to really convince people that uh, money well spent 10 million, 11 million and 12 million. It's tough, but that's what happens when you get paid the big bucks, right? Yeah. I I guess expectations are, 
you know, I don't agree necessarily that Matthews was quiet in those games. A couple of big plays to create offense when they needed them. I, I think these games against Tampa Bay are, you know, I'm curious to see how, how Zibanejad and Panarin do uh, as things get clamped down from this Tampa Bay team. We've seen the, their ability to shut down teams. What Florida have three goals in four games? I'm, I'm curious to see if these guys can be more effective uh, in games five, six, and seven here than uh, than the Stars in the previous two rounds. When I say quiet for a guy like Austin, I just referred to simply find a way to put the puck in the net. You did it 60 times during the regular season. Team needs a goal. Yeah, and he's the guy. He's the man. You're not wrong. No argument on that. Sammy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, at least should have. Yeah, the least should have scored more in the only uh, series in the last three years they've the Lightning have been scored in. But the Leafs should have scored more. <laughs> okay, let's take a quick break. So we got plenty of time to get into our Leaf discussion on their blue line and more specifically, Rasmus Sandin. After the break, you're listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee. Welcome back to the morning edition of Real Kipper and Bourne. As promised, a uh, little Toronto Maple Leaf talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you sound good. You sound good. You're coming I'm around. hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. Uh, doesn't sound like uh, anything uh, is progressing with maybe Jack uh, Campbell talks, uh, but there might be some house cleaning to do on that blue line for Kyle Dubas. Mm -hmm. My understanding is that uh, they've engaged some talks with Labushkin, so maybe that that, that could come to fruition maybe uh, in the next little while. He is a UFA, um, but certainly loved the experience here. Uh, You're going to keep the boosh? I think Labouche may stick around. Anyways, I, I think that's the Leafs' idea is to have him around. I love um, the Bush. other two. I love the Bush, I do. Yeah, the other two um, that uh, he needs to look after: uh, restricted free agents, of course, Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren. The only question is: is what kind of raises can they get, and if if any at all? Uh, Sammy, you mentioned that uh, Elliot at 32 Thoughts was talking about uh, the qualifying offer. Should I read that? Yeah. Yeah, do you have it in front of you? Go ahead, JB. I do. Elliot says, there's no doubt Toronto's Rasmus Sandin is getting a qualifying offer, but what's less certain is how things will play out for him. He was going very well until injured late in the season and couldn't get back into the lineup once healthy during the playoffs. The Maple Leafs were very happy with Jake Muzzin's postseason performance, leading to a left-side logjam with Muzzin, Sandin, Morgan Riley, Mark Giordano, and TJ Brody, who prefers his weak side. Toronto's cap situation doesn't afford Sandin contract room. Good player, and the team knows it, but the numbers make everything a tight puzzle. Mm. So I don't know exactly what to make of this situation. Yeah. I had heard somewhere that, like, you know, that they didn't love his season from Sandine, that they had expected a little bit more in terms of development. Yeah, I think that uh, his feeling coming out of the exit meeting was one of disappointment. Hmm. 
Which Therefore, is a surprise for me. Well, you know, JB, that's an excellent point because for the last two postseasons, the buildup on this guy was huge. Like mm-hmm. a year ago into the playoffs against Montreal, he had taken over the number one spot on the power play. They had sat Morgan Riley down uh, uh, as, yeah. as a number one guy. And I think that says more about coaching than <laughs> those guys, but yes. And then a year later, he cannot crack a, a game seven lineup. Yeah, you know, it, it's I, I think part of that, right, is because he's hurt and, and had hadn't been playing, hadn't been hadn't had the chance to be up to speed and not wanting to throw him right into the moving treadmill, so to speak. But I, I think expectations kind of got skewed because Lilligren was the guy, love- right? When you love your players, you throw them in. You do. Yeah. Darnell Nurse, at what, 60%? You're not taking them out of the lineup. If they love Sandine, they would have put him in in a game seven against Tampa Bay. I feel like Sandine got brought along quickly because they had a lack of options on the back end. And it was like, it was always Sandine or Marincin or Sandine or Rubens or Sandine or, you know. So he was able to, to be up maybe before he needed to be up. And since then, it's tough, right? Because you mentioned the logjam. There's no real opportunity to play up the lineup. But it kind of reminds me of how Dermot came in early and quick, and they didn't give him more, and he never got better. And they just said, well, this guy's, you know, we can't use him. Well, okay, at some point, there's got to be room for a guy like Sandine to play on the power play or to, you know, play 20 minutes a night with some consistency, isn't doesn't there? Yeah, I don't know where the end game is for Sandine. And are there warts in his game? Absolutely. Is he below average in his own zone? Yeah, at times he is. Is he not strong enough at times in his own zone? Yeah, that that's an issue. Uh, simple things like boxing out players in front of the net. I that's mean, he's 5'11", 175, and 22 years old. You know, like that's those are going to be issues for young small D. But then again, that doesn't mean you excuse them or say it's okay. Then you find someone who's not a young small D if it's that important. So I, I get the conflict here. I I just watch these D cores now that's left in the playoffs. It's just all these huge guys. You know, you just you think of think of Tampa. I know Cal McCarr and and Taves aren't massive guys, but they're on the McCarr's bigger side. Big. I, I just I don't know. I just like and I, I worry about him getting banged up. I like oh. I like Sandine, but I, I, at some point, if there if there was a big trade to be made and he was a centerpiece, I don't think I would be crushed. Let's just say they're that. small, Sammy, and they're skilled, but they're small. That right. was McCart, McCart that was the focus. That was yeah. the focus for the first three or four years, and it and it has taken a bit of a shift now, especially with them trying to to resign Labushkin. Mm-hmm. You, know, I, you know, I just feel like Lilligren was the guy that they had high expectations for. Sandine clearly passed him, and it was like, will yeah. Lilligren ever play? And then because Lilligren's yeah. a right shot, he got more opportunity, and now it's skewed because Sandine got hurt. I still prefer Sandine as a guy for the most part, but they, he's a left shot. They need, 
uh, Labushkin gives them size. He gives them a presence. They're going to need one up front. The name guys I'm hearing on a fourth line that they're going to target is uh, Nicholas Delorier. Yeah, interesting. I heard he was available at the deadline for a third. Uh, well, he's nice a, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be an unrestricted free agent. And uh, I think Ryan Reeves is at about 1.75. So there's a thinking maybe the Leafs could be able to get him for anywhere between like 1-2 and 1-4. For Delorier? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. See, he's 31 years old, 220 pounds. Heavy. Heavy, 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 obviously. Yeah. He scored eight times last year. Can skate. I like him. Yeah. I like him. Sammy, who's going to win the uh, Canadian Open? Uh, I would like to say a Canadian. Connor's probably the best bet. Hadwin, probably the best value. Uh, If I'm going, I'm going to say Cam Smith. Cam Smith's great putter. You need the putter around St. George's. How about the live tour event? Who's I'm playing it in that? Right now. It's, it's electric. <laughs> Did they suspend 18 players, the PGA? Yeah, that just done. broke. I think, suspend man. Patrick Reed yeah. to the moon and leave him there. All right. Our thanks to Dave Maloney. Enjoy game five, everybody. Thanks for listening to Real Kipper and Bourne.